You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Here we are with the end of Lent just in sight. We're almost there. So it's a great time to be talking about prayer and really the prayer, a.k.a. the rosary. Today it's my joy to welcome Father Edward Looney. He's a priest from the Badger State of Wisconsin, uh, one of several residential priest writers we have here at Catholic Exchange, as I like to call them. And I'm positive many of you are already familiar with him. If you subscribe to Catholic Exchange, you've seen his articles. He recently did a great one on the Focolare movement. Father Looney's a great writer. He's really big in Marian writings. He's written about the 1859 apparition that happened within Wisconsin at the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. As a writer, a priest, and a man who just loves the Mother of God, he now has a new book called A Rosary Litany, which we're going to dive into. We're also going to talk about the rosary today. So it's my pleasure to welcome Father Edward Looney. Thank you so much for joining us on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Yes, hello, Michael. Thank you so much. It's a great joy uh, to be with you today. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I started writing a long time ago for uh, a Catholic website uh, after they encountered some of the things I had written, and uh, kind of the the ceiling I thought would be writing one day for Catholic Exchange. And so when that happened this past <laughs> summer, I thought, like, uh, I've arrived. <laughs> so it's a great honor to be on Catholic Exchange. Oh, it's absolutely our honor. It's always great to have priests who are willing to come out and engage folks. So believe me, the pleasure is all mine. And to dive right into your questions, uh, this is one I know many new Catholics and even maybe some old Catholics are going to ask about your new book. First, what's a litany and how does it help us pray the rosary? Sure. So the the title of the book, A Rosary Litany, could really be deceptive, I think, at times. And it's funny because I have another book called Praying the Rosary with Sister Adele, which is, again, a deceptive title because it's not reflections from Sister Adele or anything, but that little rosary book for Sister Adele just looks at the Wisconsin apparition and the message Mary spoke and uh, finding a connection with each of the 20 mysteries. So similarly, A Rosary Litany is just praying the rosary and regular fashion, except it's introducing or renewing a pious custom. This custom really had been a part of the church's tradition for a very long time. Really, it goes back to the Carthusians, who were principally the inventors of the rosary, not technically, but with the Carthusian rosary dating back with them. But with the Dominican rosary, St. Louis de Montfort in The Secret of the Rosary, at the end of the book, just talked about inserting a pious phrase after the name of Jesus in the Hail Mary prayer. And so that's really what a rosary litany does, is it inserts these phrases into the Hail Mary. For Louis de Montfort, he had just one phrase for each decade. So for the nativity of the Lord, it would be born in poverty. So thy womb, Jesus, born in poverty, holy Mary, mother of God. What I did then was I took that, I ran with it, I developed it, and uh, came up with 10 different invocations for each decade of the rosary. So that's how I get a litany, uh, truly, for the the title of the book, that uh, if we insert these phrases after the name of Jesus, and also I decided to qualify the name of Mary at times, too. So, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Woman of Charity, pray for us sinners, for example. If we use it, it takes on really a litany-like feeling, invocation after invocation. A litany in, a litany in general, just in the in devotional sense, would just be kind of the litany of the Blessed Mother or the litany of the Sacred Heart, where there's invocations after a pious phrase. So for 
the the litany of the Blessed Mother, after Queen of Peace, pray for us. Mystical Rose, pray for us. So litanies do it are are quite popular, mm-hmm. and uh, so this is kind of a combination of one devotion, and I, I'm calling it a litany. Whether or not it truly is could be debated, I suppose. <laughs> not on this show. We're all good. What inspired you to want to write a rosary litany? Yeah, it's a good question, and it actually dates back to about three years. I really sat on this thing, this project for three years. Back when I was working in a parish, one of my friends called me and uh, said to me, you know, I just listened to a talk on the rosary, and it truly changed the way that I prayed the rosary. Mm. Because, in fact, my friend didn't like praying the rosary at all. <laughs> it was a devotion that he didn't pray that often. And uh, he was listening to a, a CD talk from Lighthouse Catholic Media from Dr. Edward Shree on uh, how to pray the rosary. The title of the CD was Praying the Rosary Like Never Before. Ah. Dr. Sri came out with this talk right after uh, Rosarium Virginis Mariae in 2003, the year of the rosary. And, uh, and so he was talking about it, about this pious custom. John Paul II references it in uh, Rosarium Virginis Mariae in uh, paragraph number 33. But in fact, John Paul's referencing Mariol's cultus of Paul VI uh, in paragraph 46 of that mm-hmm. apostolic exhortation. So just kind of the reintroduction of this to my friend and he sharing it with me really encouraged me to start using it. And I found that I really liked it. And what started to happen was when I prayed the rosary, I started to write down those phrases that that I would use uh, in the decade and uh, started to compile them. So that was truly the inspiration. It came from a friend of mine who just found it to be a very powerful way of praying the rosary. Great. And did you find these invocations and other prayers or did you come up with them on your own where did they come from the rosary litany is almost like the scriptural rosary that a lot of people know of like reading the phrase of scripture before each hail mary in that small little booklet that's out there but of course this is a little different than the scriptural rosary because it's right in the prayer itself but a lot of the phrases are inspired by the scriptures or come directly from the scriptures themselves okay and uh, so so that would be one reason or one one way that the invocations came about. Another one was I was in the Holy Land for three months. So I went to Nazareth and to Calvary and to Cana, and I was going through my prayer journal from the Holy Land just to make sure that I wasn't imagining this. Okay. And uh, I, I literally found the invocations that I had written for the Transfiguration and at Cana and at Nazareth. Wow. And I, I, I went to the book and... and you know, some of them have been reordered. I reordered them. Sure, a lot, sure. But, uh, but truly praying the rosary in that fashion, even in those very holy places. So that would be the other way that the invocations kind of came up. Wow. I mean, there's nothing like being at the place where it happened, which is how A.G. Serdolange wrote his classic, What Jesus Saw from the Cross, for his wonderful meditations on the way of the cross. He was actually in Jerusalem. So what a great way to really get inspired and to ha- come up with this, to be in the place where these things happened. I can't imagine something, anything greater than that. For sure, yeah. And uh, you've mentioned your friend a little bit who had trouble praying the rosary, and this is probably a bit of a Lenten confession, but I have the world's shortest attention span. When I say the shortest, I mean I'm usually sometimes thinking about Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings when I was supposed to be praying and quietly meditating. And this has been a frequent problem up until really relatively recently. 
And I know I'm not the only person who's ever had trouble praying the rosary. So why is it that it's your friend or someone like me who's just easily distracted? Why is it that so many folks find it hard to pray this really amazing prayer that's been handed to us by the church? I would say that there's a number of reasons probably sure. that people just are disenchanted with the rosary. Well, one I think would be that a lot of people just think it's really old-fashioned, that it's uh, it's the devotion of their grandparents. You know, sometimes when I do a lot of work with some some very traditional families, and I love working with the families, but sometimes when you sit down your kid every night and you're praying the rosary, I, I know people who have been in that situation and it's really turned them off because, you know, they prayed the rosary during their childhood and now they're in their adulthood. They, they could even be in the seminary, I hate to say it, but it's true that, you know, they went through and they were forced to pray the rosary and that just put a bad taste of the rosary in their mouth. And so it's a way for them to rediscover the rosary. Uh, hopefully that'll bring them back to that devotion. So so sometimes even having the rosary be, being seen as a forced devotion of the family or sometimes even the rosary is used as kind of a, a penalty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you misbehaved in the car, well, we're going to pray the rosary now. And so sometimes I even think there's this negative attachment to the rosary then because of past experiences. So sure. that, that, that would be the one, I, I would say. Another one, and this would be what the, the Protestants would probably retort about the rosary because Jesus talks about repetitious prayer. And so they think the rosary is repetitious. And that it's mm-hmm. boring. And, uh, and really, each, what I tell people is that each Hail Mary, if we're praying it truly from, from the heart, like, and we're praying it over and over again, we get lost in the mystery of the rosary. That as we're praying it, it, it just begins to consume us and the words are just coming, but we're actually praying with and meditating on the mystery. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, I think people struggle with the rosary. Just because it's a quiet prayer. Yes. And there's so much noise in our world. Absolutely. Uh, with, with cell phones and everything like that. And um, just always wanting to be inundated with media. And so to actually sit down and to be silent just could be a, a, a real struggle, I think. Those are probably three reasons I think people find it difficult to pray the rosary. So, And those are three good reasons. I want to go back to your very first reason because... Well, we have a lot of parents who listen, and I maybe this is too much of a question for our small, small podcast, but you talked about people who get forced to pray the rosary, and that might get seen as a negative thing, and I can imagine that. I mean, I remember several of my brothers who won't go to church because they just were, felt like they were forced to go as children, and it was always a punishment and a dreadful thing, but what's a balance? You know, you want your children to pray the rosary. You want your children to learn how to pray, and the rosary is a great tool to learn to pray, so what's the balance to being able to do that, but not turn it into a negative thing. Excellent question. And someone just asked me that this past week. Oh, okay. And so uh, I, I have an answer for you. <laughs> I would say that it's probably finding one of the essential days of the week to, to focus on the rosary prayer. And maybe it's changing it with liturgical seasons or whatever. So sure. maybe during Lent, it's praying the rosary on Fridays because we focus on the sorrowful mysteries. Maybe on Sundays during Easter, it's praying the glorious mysteries, focusing on the resurrection of Jesus. During Advent, praying on Saturday, or during May, praying on Saturday, um, just because of the Marian character of May and October even, and then uh, on during the Advent season. 
So I think it would be maybe not every day, but having exposure and praying the rosary as a family. Of course, going back to Father Patrick Payton in my mind, mm -hmm. who says the family that prays together stays together yes. and uh, promoting the family rosary. So I, I hope not to be deterring from the movement of Patrick Payton sure. because I greatly admire his work, but at least in the contemporary age right now, I don't know if every day is, is getting through to the kids. And so making it a spiritual moment checkpoint during the week might be the best. Absolutely. And I'm a single man. I do not have children. So it's definitely a question that I'm sure parents would ask. And I go, oh, I don't I have a clue. Thank you. That's a great advice all in all. Move right along. Now, we also talked about, you know, sometimes Protestants will bring up repetition. But also new Catholics will ask this question, especially we got many new Catholics who will be entering the church this Easter. I was one of those guys back in 2004. I, I can't remember, but there's a question that comes up. Why should we pray the rosary? It's a good question. Why pray the rosary? And, and there's lots of answers. Sure. The the first I would say, Mary Mary wants us to pray the rosary. She's asked us to pray the rosary. When she appeared in Fatima, she told the kids, the three shepherd children, pray the rosary every day for peace in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's the it's a direct request from Mary, the mother of God. I, I remember a number of years ago listening to Father Larry Richards give a talk, and, and uh, he made that point. And so that yes. stuck with me. And uh, just Mary asks us to. The, the second, I, I think people should pray the rosary because the saints prayed the rosary. Yes, they <laughs> Lots do. Lots of saints prayed the rosary. Yes. And uh, my good friend, Father Donald Calloway, came out with a little uh, book, um, I think last year maybe, called Rosary Gems, Daily mm -hmm. Wisdom on the Holy Rosary, in which he really just provides a quote from the saints on the rosary. Some saints you know, some saints you have no idea who they are. And, uh, but just to realize that this is a devotion that is many centuries old in the church and that many holy people raised on the altars of the church to sainthood, uh, prayed this devotion. And so if we want to be saints, the best way to do it sometimes is to imitate the lives of the saints. And that would be a good reason, I think. The third is just the Hail Mary prayer itself. I, I tell people oftentimes, when they have a loved one who's approaching death, and if they were a de if they were a devotee of Mary, if they were devoted uh, to the Rosary or to Marian prayer, that as we pray the Hail Mary every time we pray, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And so there's a great promise every time we pray the Hail Mary prayer that not only is Mary interceding for us in that moment when that we're praying for whatever our current situation might be, but She's also going to be praying for us at the hour of our death. St. Louis de Montfort just has some wonderful examples in The Secrets of the Rosary about how souls at the time of death sometimes are inundated by, by the evil one that wants, because the evil one wants to take the soul, take it from the hand of God really at the last moment and uh, the great battle between good and evil at the hour of our death. And so just the great protection that Mary offers uh, to those who are devoted to the rosary. I suppose you could look at the 15 promises, too, of Blessed Alain de la Roche uh, for those who pray the rosary, and uh, what good reasons, I think, to pray. Great reasons, all in all, and it's funny you keep bringing up uh, St. Louis de Montfort, Secrets of the Holy Rosary. Before I was even Catholic, when I was just in high school, I have a dear Aunt Deanne, and I love this woman to death, but She's one of the last remaining Catholics in our family, and 
she always had a way of subtly trying to nudge me because she knew I loved to read. So she sent me that very book on the Holy Rosary and a, just a simple plastic rosary. And this was years before I became Catholic. But I like to think I did read it. I did like glean a lot of information from it. And it kind of planted the seeds, I like to say, you know, for my thinking. So when I wanted to come back to Christianity, I was like, well, I actually enjoyed that book. Why don't I look at Catholicism? And, well, here I am. St. Louis de Montfort doing work for you <sighs> even before you were Catholic. So that's wonderful. I He does that. He does that. I think it was a lot of my aunt's prayers. And, well, she's Irish-American, so God love her. So I imagine she was bothering the saints as much as any good Irish woman can. And, and God bless her for it. Move on. I want to know a little bit more about the man behind the words. You've written all about Mary. You clearly have such great passion for her. Have you always had this devotion to Mary, or did this kind of come on at some point? The way that I usually answer this question when people ask, because, you know, there, there is an overt Marian devotion that characterizes my life. And uh, I often tell people that I, I can't help but think that I came out of the womb loving the Blessed Mother, long as I can remember that I've had this devotion to Mary, and there's really no explanation for it. Lots of priests I know, or, or even just pious parents like after their baptism they'll take their child and present the child to mary or uh whatever and, and kind of consecrate the child to mary i can't say that was ever done for me my mother while she's a catholic often reminds me that it's not her choice that she's catholic that she she really wanted to be a presbyterian because <laughs> my grandfather was a, a presbyterian and so she was really she she really loved that and, and so it's like every time she says that to me it just strikes me. I'm like, well, I'm a priest in the Catholic Church, and you are Catholic. And so so I wouldn't say that it was something that I even was, was brought up with. But my grandmother, uh, who I actually lived with um, growing up, too, she was very mm -hmm. religious. And so she she was a good instrument and uh, uh, of leading me in the faith. And so I think it's probably her prayerful uh. witness of praying the rosary that uh, touched me. Mm -hmm. I just remember as a young kid that I would go to daily mass and, and at first my grandmother would take me and then when she was confined to the home, then I, I just wanted to keep going. So I would ride my bike to the church and because I rode my bike, I could stay afterwards and there were like five or six ladies who prayed the rosary and, and I would stay and I would pray the rosary with them. It was just something uh, that I wanted to do as a young kid, and I, I really can't explain why. That's interesting, huh? But even as a, a middle school student or a high school student, I, I came to know the story of Bernadette <sighs> through uh, the classic song of Bernadette. And I just remember in my childhood watching that movie like almost every month or, or just very often. I probably have lines from the movie memorized still. Sure. But uh, just always a very touching moment for me to watch that movie uh, just really inspired me to love God and to love Mary. So so that's kind of kind of the early years. And in high school, I went on a few Marian pilgrimages and just was very touched and very convinced of God's love through them. One of them was to the shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in my diocese. And so really, that was really where I think Mary got a hold of me and never let me go. I went to the I went to the seminary right out of high school and I left just after a semester and uh, I never thought I'd go back but I ended up going back and it was probably just because she had a hold on me and uh, and so she pulled me back into the seminary so 
that's all wonderful. That's most, some of the greatest things I've ever heard on this podcast, like just from other people. And it's amusing because I didn't grow up Catholic, but I, your reflections of your grandmother and, as I mentioned, my aunt are very similar. My grandmother, Grandma Martin, on my mom's side, so my also my Aunt Deanna's mother, was a real, like, hardworking, beautiful woman who went to Mass, and if I stayed with her, I had to go to Mass, too. Didn't matter that I might have found it boring or whatever, but I actually didn't find it that boring all the time. Like, half the time, I was, like, entranced and really curious, and, well, let's just say, I think, between your grandma and my grandmother, there's probably many grandmothers who've made some great strides to become saints and saved a lot of souls with their prayers, I'm sure of that. Yes, it's a common thing. I see it, I still see it, you know, in the work that I do in the parish, and and uh, I know many a story like yourself of people who their grandparents really kept praying for them. They were the they were the monicas for their, their yes. children and their grandchildren. Yes, and I had to, I was blessed with two and that's what I like to say. But my penultimate question, if you had someone who called in or emailed me and they're saying, Well, I wanna like become excited about Mary, I would really like to grow my devotion to her, how do I even begin? What advice would you tell them? Wow. Good question. I try. <laughs> yeah, where to start? You know, I I think a good introduction to Marian devotion for someone who's maybe looking to Mm -hmm. rejuvenate it or to to find it again. I think Michael Gately, Father Michael Gately of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception has done some some marvelous work. Right now I'm going through his 33 Days to Merciful Love for Divine Mercy Sunday, but uh, he wrote 33 Days to Morning Glory, which uh, I consider the the basic introductory uh, book to Marian consecration. Of course, the, the great father of Marian consecration would be St. Louis de Montfort with true devotion to Mary, and, and lots of people have done the de Montfort consecration, and John Paul II credits that to, you know, one of the saving graces of his life. But the de Montfort is, you know, challenging, I think, for, for a novice, and so that's for the intermediate. So Michael Gately, I think, has some good work to turn to, but to grow in Marian devotion, maybe go on a Marian pilgrimage during the summer. Take a trip to one of Mary's shrines here in the States or wherever. There's lots of them, and uh, and maybe she'll get a hold of you there, too. Do you know of any resources that tell you where the Marian shrines on, on the States are? Yeah, that's a good question. There was There was an article that was just published somewhere. I can't remember what website, but they pretty much listed every shrine that you could go to in the United States. And because uh, I thought about doing something like that in the future, and uh, I was sad to see that it had already been done a few a few months before I wanted to do it. Um, but I oh, uh, we may still have to do it if I, we can't find it by the time this podcast is up. I may still ask you to do it. So just so you know, sure. And that might be you know my recommendations of pilgrimage for the summer. But mm-hmm. there there are, surely are some books out there. I know I have one on my bookshelf. Um, but it's a little outdated. Um, there was a new book that just came out too. Uh, what was the lady's name? I can't remember it. It's put out by like Ligori Press, I think. But she did a lot on Marian shrines too. Yeah, I can't pronounce her name for the life of me. It's Teresa Santa Zernopis, yeah, I believe. I think and so. I, it's Polish. And I'm sure my Polish re- listeners are going to come and punch me now. But So there, there are resources out there. But to give you a definitive list, I. Uh, I'm not sure, and and maybe maybe I'll come up with like a Marian list okay. uh, of shrines because I'm sure that list was comprehensive with shrines of the saints and shrines honoring the life of Christ and whatnot. So 
So maybe a distinctly Marian list. Some of the Marian shrines that quickly come to mind, of course, are well, the one in my own diocese, the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, where Mary appeared to Adele Brees in 1859. Also in Wisconsin is Holy Hill, which is near Milwaukee. Yes. And Our Lady of Guadalupe, which Cardinal Burke built in the Diocese of La Crosse. There's no no better place I I can imagine than uh, the the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception out in Washington D.C. the Basilica. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Our Lady of Consolation in Ohio, and uh, those are just some that just come to my mind right away. Some of the great Marian shrines I would say in the United States. Yes, and it's actually surprising as a Catholic who likes to go on long long, long road trips. I'm always amazed at where I'll be in like just these great holy places that I would never have had any clue. I can recall like going through Colorado and suddenly, you know, stopping by a place where Mother Cabrini was there, St. Cabrini. And, oh, sure. you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, this, I've never heard of it, but it's amazing what you can find. So yeah, we, we might have a few lists up in the future, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see. Wonderful. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to work out something like that for you. Ah, great. So look at that, ladies and gentlemen. I also get an article here. Our final question, I do mean final question this time. If folks want to learn about you, maybe buy your books, uh, which absolutely, by the way, everyone out there, this book gets my seal of approval. It's really simple, but it will help you immensely. But if folks want to get this, where can they pick it up? Basically, I think I have two websites out there. The first would be uh, my own personal website, edwardlooney.com. I'm working on getting the Father Edward Looney to forward to that host. and uh, But just edwardlooney.com, uh, that would be like to follow my homilies, my r- online writings and journal publications and whatnot. But uh, I, I came up with a website just for the book itself, for A Rosary Litany, which is just arosarylitany.com. And so there's a quick link to how to order the book online. You'll find the endorsements of the book from Bishop Barron and Father Calloway, Father Larry Richards, uh, the World or the Rosary Evangelization Apostolate, and uh, some other uh, endorsements as well. And just in addition to what some common people are saying about the about a Rosary Litany, that how it's really changed their life since we've released it, and uh, there was a limited pre-release for some people. Uh, that just prayed with it and wrote back and gave some feedback. And everyone says that it's truly changed how they pray the rosary, and it's the only way they pray the rosary now. So I think it's going to help to renew the rosary devotion in our millennium. I absolutely believe it could. So thank you so much, Father, once again. We'll put all those links up on CatholicExchange.com. But thank you very much for dropping by and talking with us. Yes, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Once more, you can get Father Edward Looney's latest book, A Rosary Litany, at his website, arosarylitany.com. It's quite affordable at under $5, so do check it out, please. You can also find him at his website, edwardlooney.com. Find him sharing on Twitter at Father Edward Looney, all one word, right there on Twitter. As always, we'll have those links on catholicexchange.com, so you can go through and find them right there, convenient for you right on the website. And while you're there, you can also check out the articles by Father Edward Looney. He's really actually a great writer. I've been blessed to have him on our staff here at Catholic Exchange. He has some great reflections and just loves the Mother of God. Once more, this is Michael J. Litchens with CatholicExchange.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I always enjoy having you all here. Holy Week is starting next week. That's going to be some heavy stuff. But... Join with us, we'll talk about the passion of our Lord and how to prepare our hearts for Easter. 
If you have any questions at all, any suggestions, things we can do to help you, that's what we're here for. Editor at CatholicExchange.com. I say all the time we exist for you, the reader, and that's not a lie. I don't use any hyperbole. We're here for you, so please write to me, editor at CatholicExchange.com. Or you can even bother me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is MJordanLitchens. That's the letter M, Jordan Litchens. Last name is spelled L-I-C-H-E-N-S, just like lichens the fungus. But unlike the fungus, I will actually talk to you. From all of us at CatholicExchange.com, I really hope you all finish Lent like a champion. It's hard, but the race is long, and the victor gets the crown. God love you. Have a blessed week.